Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 310 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I chat to Norman Lender and David Podorski of All In Games about the World War I aerial combat arcade game Red Wings Aces of the Sky. I like this game quite a lot. It's, I mean, Blue Max is a game I quite like on the Atari, which I streamed three or four months ago now, maybe more. But anyway, I enjoyed it on my Atari 8-bit. And playing this brings back some kind of memories of that. And yes, it's it, it is a World War One biplane arcade shooty game, but there's there's nuance to it. There's there's aspects to it. There's strategies, and it's an extremely tactical game. And you have special abilities, and allows you to dodge bullets and do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And uh, yeah, it's a really really good game. And thankfully, the chat I had with Norman and David was reflective of this. It's a fun entertaining game and one i do like to play on my steam link box through to my large television in my living room and uh, it looks amazing when it's big screen like that playing and uh, it's available on other platforms as well but it's i do i have it on steam it's really really fun really really good game and uh yeah just enjoy the chat with me chatting to norman and david so chris from the past if you'd be so kind please norman and david um, Who are you both, and what do you do? Uh, hello, uh, my name is Norman Lenda. Uh, I work in All In Games as a head of internal development. Uh, I was a head of the Red Wings Aces of the Sky project, which was published a few days ago for PC and PS4 and the Xbox One. David? Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay, I introduce myself. I'm David Podgurski. I'm a marketing manager uh, for Only Games, game publisher. Uh, and I think that's all for the basics. Okay, cool. So, back to you, Norman, on this one. And then we'll just alternate between the two of you like that until we get to the design bit and then answer whoever wants to, <laughs> depending on what the question okay. is. But, uh, Norman, 
How did you make you start making video games? Oh, and actually, it's a pretty long story. I was a gamer for my entire life, and I live over 30 years now, 31. <laughs> uh, and uh, I started my journey as a game designer in 2011 when I joined the first studio that was Reality Pump. They did games like Two Worlds and... Uh, uh earth that was a rts uh, and uh then i was working in a few video games uh, studios uh including one more level where where was uh where i was a level designer for god's trigger uh and uh, uh, after that uh, we uh opened the internal uh, internal development in uh, all in games and I became a head of the studio and then the idea for Red Wings appeared and and I think that's that's the whole story <laughs> that's right okay so you worked for a lot of studios through the years I mean when did you make your actual start what what, what was what was the earliest thing you remember making because that's a that's a common thing that the I mean it can be as far back as you like Norman really um you're asking about my first uh, memory? Yeah, yeah. What was the first uh, thing you did? You know, I remember my uh, day one in the company where uh, I was very, let's say, shy and uh, everything was scary for me <laughs> because it yeah, was a pretty yeah. big studio here in Poland that was years before the CD project and The Witcher became so big. Uh, yeah. And uh, I remember my boss who came to my desk and told me to prepare a batch file, something like that, batch, and uh, batch uh, file, yeah. uh, for uh, to automatize something. And then I asked him, "Excuse me, what the batch is?" And he said that oh, you don't know, you don't even know it. You have to learn it to learn it to be able to do it tomorrow. And I spent my whole evening on learning that because you, you have to know that I never was, uh, I, I wasn't ever a uh, programmer or coder or anything like that. I was mostly focused on the design plus graphics, let's say graphic design. I did some particle effects for many years. I did some interfaces and I also designed games and levels. So. It was something really technical for me, and it was scary. But but the funniest part is that this guy never asked me about if I if I learned any, uh, anything about these batches. But at least I learned something that day. Today. But so the first memory. Yeah, but why scary. would you? Why would why would anyone ask the art designer to do a batch file? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. Like I've no idea what you're saying. Yeah. There's the there's a system admin over there. Maybe talk to him. I, I'm just drawing a tree. Pretty awesome tree. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm making. I mean, I'm making something up. But sorry, my friend. But uh, uh, that's what I would have done. Uh, but then again, you were like first day jitters, you know. And it's like, oh, you have to, you probably didn't know who you were. Who knows? Well, well you know, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't uh, a very big company. But I would say right. that the game development, at least in Poland, changed for. Uh, through all of these years, the, there were times where one person was doing much, let's say, wider variety, a bigger variety of things in one company. And it's maybe because, because of that, because my boss from, from this first company 
was a very uh, had a really uh, really long story of doing video games. He started in nineties, so you know he has uh, he had some different let's say approach to the whole uh, game development process than it happens these days. So maybe that was the reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Indeed, but... it's um, people. Uh... You know, at that time, a lot of uh, studios actually failed in the 90s because the video game industry took a shift, a major shift, uh, away from one certain type of game to another. Certainly the PlayStation didn't help, or did, depending on point of view. (laughs) Um, And when that arrived, everything changed. The, The medium changed, the amount of space changed. And then it did it again in the early 2000s with the PlayStation 2. And again, I'm not ignoring the GameCube or the Dreamcast. Please, I'll never do that. <laughs> I have all of those. But that's not the point. They did. They were the most popular machines and they changed a lot of things. And a lot of developers suffered quite badly from that. And they, didn't really, they couldn't change the way they were working but because they had larger medium to, to, to feed. It's, 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 a, it's an extraordinary story. That, that period of uh, video game development is very important. And I suspect that's what you came up against. Norman, yeah. without realizing it, is that, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Okay. I think uh, that games has changed, but also video games demography. I mean, the community has changed uh, a lot, so it's all transforming all the time, and and the habits, uh, and let's say everything what we as game developers have to know is constantly changing because the market is changing all the time, but I, I will not yes. elaborate about that. That's a longer story, I think. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but uh, interesting stuff. And, and David, how did you make your start? I mean, is this, is this your first position as, as a marketing person, or have you have you have you worked elsewhere? It's much more funnier because, uh, you know, uh, in general, I'm an art historian by my education. Okay. Uh, I was even a marketing uh, manager in. Krakow National Museum with that one, right. that one with Da Vinci. Uh, so I got a very specific background. Uh, and also, I was totally not in games to my studies because I was hugely disappointed by when the market goes in the late 2000s. Uh, okay. I think that okay. also in the late 2000s came a uh, whole indie revolution and Yes. Like Super Meat Boy, which was a game changer for me. Uh, and then, you know, I regained my love for the industry and for the games themselves. So, long story short, it led me to write about games because, you know, I was uh, just a regular teenager uh, in Poland, like loving playing games. And we got our heroes as uh, you know, the, the guys, the editors from the, uh, from the gaming magazines. So it was just my kid dream and do a lot of work and work for free for the minor outlets in Poland. I came along the road to, to writing to one of the major mediums about game in Poland and that led me to the gaming industry and to the place where I am now. Wonderful little story. And yes, you're right. Something happened, and I sort of discussed this with someone else. I can't remember what context it came out of, but it was the thought that the most of the studios were at the time in mid two thousands to the late two thousands were suddenly throwing and creating these ever ever more complex and difficult to comprehend and indeed indeed digest games. 
and then at the, at the same time they actually invented this thing this platform and these two platforms i think it was the xbox indie arcade and uh, ios with a good oriel and those two platforms then created like well you know we don't have the resources or time to make these vast epics <laughs> but we do have our time and resources to make smaller more focused more interesting experiences and that's what they did and uh, yeah you're right some of the most uh, extraordinary games from that era is now 11 12 years ago now yeah. uh, we still still resonate to this day um, and I think it's a great thing and uh, you know I, my my um, my uh, uh, library of games now is ridiculous <laughs> uh, because of that and uh, the fact that I can pretty much do and see almost anything I wish through the means of this this medium is is, is, is a credit to those who make them uh, so thanks for that I <laughs> appreciate it um, so um, this next question is definitely to you both and I would like you to answer it on the on behalf of uh, all in games okay it's a rather difficult question to answer but i want you to think about it hard like you wouldn't anyway but the question is this what do you believe are your biggest influences um do you mean the influences for our project or for the company or it's a valid point and again it's entirely up to you how you want to interpret <laughs> it but ultimately what i'm saying is at a high level norman is what drives you what is the thing oh, oh. you find what is the thing that you find you are orbiting all of the time and you're drawing from to make you strive forward and say well this is we take this from this we take this from this and this inspires us this influences our output that kind of thing okay so maybe i will start uh let's say uh, as i told you before i would say that i'm a gamer for my entire life and as a game designer i I feel really influenced by uh, the Eastern uh, gaming market. I mean, the Japanese uh, gaming market, because my first console was Sega Master System. Then I was a Sega fanboy for years. Uh, I still think Dreamcast, it's uh, losing the Dreamcast from the market was one of the biggest disasters <laughs> for the gaming industry. It was a big mistake. Yeah. I generally believe it's a mistake on behalf of Sega, and I agree with you. I still have mine here. It's actually just, yes, it's within <laughs> arm's reach of me, just over to my left yeah. as I record this show. And uh, I, I do, I the last game I played on it very recently was about three weeks ago, was Sega Bass Fishing. So, yeah. I, I, I really, yeah. Uh, I really like the whole. Sega arcade approach to the game uh -huh. is that uh, they put all of this arcade style games to the consoles. I I know that uh, that it it was hard for the market because people were expecting longer games, be uh, let's say deeper experiences uh, from long story. But after all, they created Shenmue. They create uh, they there was a Soul Calibur for for the first Dreamcast. Uh, I remember so Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio. I know that there were two names. Uh, but generally speaking, I feel really influenced by uh, games from Sega, from from let's say also from Squaresoft or Square Enix or uh platinum games but that's that's a different story <laughs> i really like all everything done by these japanese developers 
And I also uh, feel influenced by Riot Games because I'm a great MOBA, fan, uh, MOBA games fan. And uh, I also have a feeling that it kind of resonates in Red Wings, some parts of the, uh, I mean, the game we just uh, developed, uh, Red Wings. Uh, uh, we have this uh, skill tree system, which is kind of connected to the old League of Legends mastery system, but maybe I will tell more about it later. Uh, sure, so. sure. And uh, just to cut in, I, I love talking to a fellow MOBA player. And <laughs> something that uh, I always try to impress on people when they're trying to learn the ropes. And the earliest thing I can tell, personally, my best piece of advice is that you are not the center of the universe in this game. <laughs> I know, I know it's hard to take, but the game does not revolve around you. Far from it. It revolves around the team. And if you're not part of that team, then what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and and that's really hard for people to take because up until <laughs> it's so so hard. It goes against every game design you and I have ever encountered in our lives, and all three of us. It's just like what you're not. I'm not the center of the universe. No, you're not. See that thing running past you. That 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 unit there that you're not controlling. That. That's war more important than you are. <laughs> Try to keep that alive. That'll be good. Good job. Good job. Uh, anyway, but I and uh, and I do see. Yes, the, the the skill tree. I did. I did acknowledge it and Red Wings and say, so, yeah, I, I I can see where. But you've taken it another way, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in the, in the in the second half of the show. But yeah, let's keep our keep our powder dry for now. Um, okay. Uh, do do you agree with with? Of course you do. Do you want to embellish any more of what Norman has said there on the influence of the studio? Is that is that what where you where you are you aware of that? Yeah, for sure. And you know, I also get my love to the arcade games. Uh, I don't get Dreamcast uh, in my young years, but uh, but also I love arcade games and I love simplicity that comes from the from the gameplay and some kind of honesty in terms of gameplay. And all that uh, Eastern approach uh, that Norman mentioned, we talked about it together a uh, few times, that that's nice that when, when developers first think about the gameplay, yeah. things, then think about the things that goes around the gameplay. Yeah, That's why Sega games were so unique, or Nintendo games, like they came from the gameplay. And yeah, I think I that's... Yeah, I totally agree. That's... That's a great thing. You can see that on all, uh, let's say, Nintendo Nintendo Switch exclusives, that the gameplay goes first, always. So you don't need a, let's say, very complicated story background for it. The, the game has to simply give people some fun. And uh, I also forgot about Nintendo. And, and in the whole company, everyone knows that I'm a... Currently, I'm a big Nintendo Switch fanboy, and I say to everyone that they should really buy this console. <laughs> Nintendo should pay me, actually, <laughs> for all yeah, the actions um, I do I, in the console. I must confess, I bought one at launch. I was there at midnight picking it up, along with Breath of the Wild, um, and uh, I've kept it. It hasn't broken down after all these years. I'm quite, pre- I'm quite shocked at that, but there it is. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, remarkable console. It can do amazing things in such a small box. Uh, and it actually sits, well, it used to sit next to my PlayStation 4. My PlayStation 4 has now moved 
for reasons. <laughs> 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 we all know what reasons they are. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's very big and white and got big weird fins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but uh, yeah, it, it, that machine dwarfed um, uh, the PS4 dwarfed the, the Switch, and yet yeah, the Switch could throw out very similar, not quite, not not you know more high end stuff. You know, Horizon Zero Dawn that wasn't going to happen, but other than that, it's it, it could it could hold its own. Uh, of course, now it's going to be overshadowed by something even larger, but let's not talk about that. Um, I think that Nintendo is preparing their answer. I hope I hope that yes. they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more physically. It's gonna. <laughs> I'm scared, Norman. I'm scared. I don't. I haven't, it hasn't arrived yet, of course, as we're we're recording a month away before it appears. But oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, no, it's you're right. Nintendo, um, fair play to them, and they are craftspeople. They really are artisans of of the creation of video games and. Uh, despite the fact, or maybe because of the fact, that they are ultimately, at their core, a toy company. I know people balk at that, but they genuinely are. And uh, you need to understand that. Once you understand that, you have an inkling of where they come from and why they are such uh, artisans and creators or craftspeople of video games, because it's what they do. They've been doing it for over 100 years. Yeah, so. they're having their own philosophy of... Uh for the whole market yes yeah i mean only they could have made pikmin right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so um I, I probably know what the answer to this question already or maybe i don't actually and this is definitely to both of you um what developer do you most admire in the industry and why hmm. david maybe now we will start okay. I have to go with, you know, I get the sentence prepared because I, I thought about it like a lot of times. And I think that till this day, the role model for me, uh, and when I'm looking for, for making video games, is still Shigeru Miyamoto. Because from my perspective, first level of Super Mario Bros. is like you no know, Mona Lisa of video games at all, like in terms of design. And that's the simplest question I can give you. Like a whole philosophy which goes uh, behind it. Yeah, the simplicity, uh, the honesty in design. Like that's the uh, that's the thing that I'm always uh, recognizing as a most important work of art in video games history. Like. You're right. It's um, <clears throat> it's the precision of the control which people don't get, um, uh, and that's really important. When you jump, you pretty much know where you're going to land, and that's really important. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, but there's also yes, the space and the design and the constraints that he had to deal with with the NES or NES, whatever you pronounce it, uh, is remarkable. And that machine. Only now do I realise this because I'm British and we didn't really adopt the NES or NES until the late 80s, by which time we had the Sega Master System instead, as Norman would know, which is why I just 
repaired mine. Um, but it's it's you know it's, so there's that. But it's a phenomenally powerful machine. It really was. It's only eight bits. But if you see the games, it's just incredible what they could pull out from that, especially towards the latter part of its life. But despite that, you know, one of the earliest games was Super Mario, and it was and it is remains still a game that uh, people are uh, come come back to after almost you know forty years of existence. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's a credit to its creator. Super Mario Thirty Five shows the strength of that. <laughs> right yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Okay. Norman, what do you what, what, what you got response for me? So we got the. I'm I'm quiet because. I'm trying to find, let's say, a proper answer because there there are some names and there are some companies which are which I'm respecting a lot. Okay. Uh, a few years ago, if you would ask me about the company, I would say Square Enix and maybe Tetsuya Nomura. But after a few years and seeing the direction of games created by them like Kingdom Hearts 3 that which was a but I would say that for me as a fan of original Kingdom Hearts uh, the last part of Kingdom Hearts was a big disappointment I also don't like uh, the direction of final of new newest part of the Final Fantasy I prefer the let's say Final Fantasy 7 remake is the best Final Fantasy in last years for me so <laughs> that's not a good thing to say that the remake is better than, than any other new parts I would also say but let's say not Square Enix, uh, Square Enix in current in current situation but other developers are you know, people like Hideki Kamiya or Yoko Taro for sure for the games they are doing I love Nier Automata uh, I also love Bayonetta. So these are basically games developed by Platinum Games. And But I also would like to uh, mention Nintendo, just like David say, said. Uh, it, is, it is the art of simplicity. That's how I would call it. There, are, for, for example, I bought Animal Crossing this year. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the Animal Crossing franchise. Uh, it was during a lockdown, so I thought, okay, there's a big hype for Animal Crossing. I will try it. Maybe it will be cool. Uh, I know a lot about Mario or Zelda, any other Nintendo game, but I didn't know a lot about Animal Crossing. And then, uh, after a few days, I was addicted. And I, I probably don't know even why why did it happen. And I often find things like that in games developed by, by Nintendo, that there are they have a knowledge and ability to do simple things in a really fun way because they're focusing a lot on every single move. Just like David say, the first level of first Mario, that's the short story, the long story short, you know. Uh, uh, so I have a huge respect to them. And uh, basically, I think these are the main pillars. I would say that the people who created first Dota, because they built the MOBA genre. Uh, but well, that was, a, that was a mod, wasn't it? That was yeah, a mod that, of uh, Warcraft I, 3. I, yeah, I played one. it in my uh, high school times. Uh, I played Dota. Right. And then something uh, called League of Legends appeared, and then I was I was doomed. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> <laughs> and I hope 
maybe I mean, it sounds like you completely agree with what I said earlier about you not being a centre of the world, and that's what I like about that because it's just, it's not all just you. You've got to share the load. If you share the load, you're like, who's going mid? Well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> you know. What? Because uh, you know what happened last time? Well, we've got the wrong character for mid. I can't do mid, etc., etc. But I would say <laughs> that uh, something uh, in my mind appeared uh, is dividing these two things, video games and mobile games. I treat them right. as something separate. I don't know why. Right. But no. uh, when I'm going to play a single-player experience on my console then I treat it totally different than when I arrange him, let's say, a, a group of friends and play LOL, League of Legends with them. That's, right. well, I don't know why I think, think differently about two, these two things, mm. but I wouldn't put them in one, let's say, box. As a, <laughs> I know that both of them are video games, but I, know. I hope it's you know weird, I mean. isn't it? Yeah. You have a different relationship. Yeah. I have the same thing with um, with VR actually. Oh, <laughs> because of the effort. Because of the effort, you're like, well, I'm going to be playing this for an hour. I can't be distracted by anything else because I've got this stupid helmet on. <laughs> this is it. So when I'm going to play Squadrons, I'm going to play it for an hour. That's it. You know. Um, but uh, yeah. Okay. Well, last question for you both, and uh, kind of required to ask this question because we're on a podcast about video games. So, therefore, here it comes. Uh, what are you playing right now? So, who, who will start now? Maybe now my turn because. Yeah. You can, you can okay. start, yeah, because uh, uh, you, 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 you. No, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I mentioned Animal Crossing because I returned yes. to playing Animal Crossing. Uh, because of the Halloween uh, update, and I kind of, I, I wanted to have a goal of reaching five stars island, but I checked in my, let's say, I checked my star rating, and it's already five stars. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to do next. But uh, I also play, uh, I also played Captain Subasa. My Nam Commander, so this is also a Japanese game. You know, I'm a weeb. <laughs> so, no, it's all right, it's all right. Uh, and I, I'm also. I also started this Genshin Impact uh, game. Yeah, people are banging on about that. What uh, do you think of it? Uh, I'm totally shocked that they did it in Unity. And when I <gasps> have no, you, you didn't know that it's in Unity. No. <laughs> oh, I haven't played it yet because normally when you know you start a Unity game, you, it flashes up the logo flashes yeah, up. Yeah. You, you nod your head and go, oh, "There's a bit of C sharp going on there." But wow, you know, that's, I, I, that's, I'm a Unity developer, Unity, so it? I have a huge respect to creators of this game that uh, they were able to create something that beautiful and that let's say good at performance at all loading times, everything around the let's say the system of a game is working in such a perfect way i think that's a good message to unreal developers that unity is returning to the to the first league of <laughs> to the prime league of development yeah uh, yeah yeah so i think these were the last titles i was playing uh Okay. I'm also going to finish my Nino Kuni on Nintendo Switch, but that's a different. Game. Is that one and two, or uh, the first it's one? The first part is the first Switch. Yeah. It's for Switch. I have finished the second part, but it's it's really bad if you compare it to the first one. Right. Uh, 
the second part was a disappointment. I still have a functioning PS3, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I got a lot. You can hear I got a lot of retro consoles, uh, and that's fine. I actually put some shelves up recently. All my N64 games are on the middle, mm-hmm. and the Sega games are on the top. That's Mega Drive and uh, Master System, and on the bottom is my uh, mixture: a bit of SNES and Mega CD. <laughs> and it kind of looks cool. I mean, I had them in like boxes and stuff, and now putting them up on the shelves is it's way better. <laughs> and all I had to do is put some shelves up. But yeah, it's a uh, uh, it's it's a thing. What David or David? Sorry, what uh, what can you tell us? Uh, what are you playing? What's distracting you from your <laughs> okay, marketing so, duties right now? Uh, you know, I've never been a multiplayer guy because I was no. always focused on the on the narrative narratives or. The gameplay, like you know, the old platformers like uh, Meat Boy, for example, or Celeste from the Celeste from the newer titles. But right now, I'm going to starting to be addicted to Mario 35 and Tetris 99. So I, I'm going to be, you know, uh, an unusual battle royale player on Switch because I didn't, I, I don't like MOBA games or, or battle royales. I'm not fitted in that type of gameplay, but that what Nintendo do with the genre uh, is just shocking for me. Like, I can play for five hours in the evening for Mario 35. So, just w- walk through, uh, you know, going to walk through the first uh, level of Mario or first two levels, on and on, and I never get bored. But also, I recently revisited uh, Ocarina of Time. Whoa. So, <laughs> And, you know, I'm still impressed uh, how you know, how unusual and mm, surprising that game is in terms of design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a, it's a feat. That's, 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 uh, it's, um, even after, what, 22 years? Yeah. 23 years? 23 years. Because uh, it came out in 97. I think in Japan. Yeah, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Yeah, ninety-eight in the rest of the world. Uh, I remember playing it. By the way, David, I don't want to worry you, but Nintendo is planning to do their first mobile game with Pokémon's soon. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you're not a competitive player yet, then yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It, it might change. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, you're right. They've they've got this special magic. Whereas PUBG, which was my my go-to game for when it comes to what well, it used to be, it doesn't play anymore. It's hard. But uh, yeah, um, for me, the whole joy of that was not so much the competitive like last twenty minutes. It was the build-up. It's like a horror film. <laughs> nothing happens. Actually, nothing happens <laughs> for a good twenty. 30 minutes, nothing happens. Uh, and uh, all you do is go running around collecting stuff and building yourself up to a point where you, you think you can defend yourself. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, especially when you're working in teams, one of the one of the funniest things I had of a friend of mine, Matt, and we were running along and uh, we saw the crate come down from the sky and then we had this huge argument about should we go for the crate or not? Should we go for the crate or <laughs> not? And you know, it's just—I mean—it's absurd. That it wasn't the winning because I did have one uh, in in PUBG, but uh, yeah, it wasn't the winning. No, it was the actual build-up. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the journey, not the destination. I'm a Apex Legends player, so I I know this feeling. 
And I, but I also like the Fall Guys approach. Uh, it's also a kind of battle yes. royale, but totally different uh, approach to the genre. So, yeah, bad platforming. Yeah, brilliant. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I'm afraid you... it may be boring after a month. I stopped playing it already, but but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are still playing Among Us, but we'll give that, you know, yeah. who knows? No. Red's suspicious. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's enough about video games let's talk about one that's far more interesting and, and uh, pertaining to this very episode of the Sausage Factory let's talk and delve deep into Red Wings Aces of the Sky So, <laughs> second, second, uh, so we're in the second half. So, before we can delve deep into Aces, uh, Red Wings, Aces of the Sky, can uh, can you tell us in your own words what is it? What is Red Wings, Aces of the Sky? So, uh, I would say that uh, Red Wings, of Aces of the Sky is an arcade uh, World One, World War One related game about dogfighting with war, first war planes of the of the great war uh, it has this this arcade part of the uh, of this game is very let's say big part of the whole project uh, I, I i like to say that our game uh, is something uh, what the Zack Snyder 300 movie was for the battle of thermopyles right word in English. <laughs> I need to check it. I mean, for the Spartan battles of in Thermopylae. So we are having this comic book approach uh, to the to the whole story, to the uh, to the gameplay, because we also treat the gameplay as the as the most important important part of the game. So we were balancing on the historical approach and gameplay arcade approach. 
And uh, the game is made of uh, 50 story missions with animated uh, comic books with voiceovers telling the story of pilots of World War I. That, uh, this part is actually pretty historical because we, uh, we have a writer who actually wrote a book about the Red Baron. Uh, she, she wrote a book about the story of, let's say, the story of his fame and how did he felt about it. Uh, and uh, there are two campaigns. One is for Triple Alliance, and this is the campaign of Red Baron. Uh, I, I don't know if I need to make an introduction to who Red Baron actually was, uh, but let's make it. He was the most famous uh, pilot of World War One. He he fought for the German side, uh, but World War One was a little bit different story than World War Two. So I would not say that there are good and bad. <laughs> no, I mean the thing is, and both our respective countries mm-hmm. uh, had their involvement with that conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really trying to be delicate <laughs> because um, it shouldn't have happened, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We Norman, if I may say, if you look at the history, like yeah, it shouldn't have happened. It really shouldn't have happened. You know, uh, from it, my it, country it, it, perspective, I, to, I would say that uh, Poland didn't exist before World War One, so no, it was something. No. Uh, so it was something. So that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to be delicate with you, Norman. I'm so sorry, but uh, so here's me sp- sitting in London, in in you know, like oh yeah, England definitely, yeah, Britain definitely existed at the, the time, you know. And it's like it, we had this vast empire, and that's why I'm being delicate about oh, it. I'm yeah. so sorry. I hope I, I'm glad you took it in the spirit. Yeah, no, no. Said, the but, history uh, is always a tough topic for all sides. It is. It is. <laughs> And I, 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 I find myself having to apologise all the time. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, joking about it. For example, yeah, no, if you think it's... that uh, in Poland, uh, Napoleon is uh, for some Polish people a hero, and I know that the rest of the Europe is treating him totally differently. So that's, no, that's, we, uh, we've, yeah, we named a train station after the victory of against him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. yeah, he is not he is not a hero. He's generally vilified <laughs> for, for 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 a variety of reasons. But the, the and this is wonderful to have this conversation because. The fact that, yes, this is ultimately, I believe at its heart, a wonderful and pure arcade game that that exploits the joy of flight. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yes. Uh, in such an elegant way. You've done it really well. You could, have gone, you could have gone another way with this, but you didn't. You stuck to your guns, no pun intended, and you had a vision and you stuck to it. And that's really important. And it really comes out when I'm playing Red Wings, Aces of the Sky. It's just really... It's a very pure game, yeah. uh, but you can't ignore the history. And, you, and to your credit, and to your studio's credit, your you know your your writers and your research, uh, it's, it's wonderful. Because I I read about I know a lot about World War One, and that's why I said it really shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, it, it's it's a fascinating. You know, you've actually gone into the the thoughts and feelings of these pilots from the side that's not often talked talked about. Yeah. Indeed, the war is not often. I want to about. add that the story of uh, presented in the game was also built from the quotes from real letters written by the World War One pilots because our writer had some, uh, our writer had some good source material to use for the game story and the intent side of the campaign 
is about uh, it's a pretty interesting construct because it is telling a story of the squadron, which was a rumor during World War One. Uh, I mean that the press was re- writing about the anti anti Richthofen squadron, which was going to be which goal was to fight Red Baron, but after war it appeared that such squadron didn't exist at all. But Red Baron believed during his uh, battles that he's actually fighting with this squadron. So our uh, our idea was to. Uh, ask a question: What if this squadron really existed, and we presented in a, in an intense story? Yeah, that just mm. that just a uh, that just something uh, interesting for people who I think actually are interested in the World War One uh, story uh, history history. So yeah, uh, there's there's not it. a lot of games that really focus on it, mainly because of the nature of the conflict and how horrific it was. Yeah, I, um, so. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, there's um, this uh, the, one of the earliest video games I remember playing as a kid is a game called Blue Max, which is uh, a very isometric. Uh, you are flying a, I think it's for North America or the you know, US, but you are flying a plane and bombing targets uh, in in a in a biplane in and it's for the Atari and the Commodore 64 and stuff and it was mm-hmm. it's it's good it's fun it's it's, it's but it, it does have things like you can stall you can actually crash by taking off you know you haven't got any of that you know it's it, it had a lot of fuss um so I think we got sort of a gist. It is a third person, third view. You're not actually in the cockpit. You actually see the the plane in front of you, and you control it remotely if you like. And that's yeah. perfect for a game like this because um, uh, it, because of the nature of the combat and how and how it works. But um, I have to ask the question. Um, one of the things I've been playing Squadrons a lot, Star Wars Squadrons, <laughs> and I'm not saying of the same game because they're not. Um, I probably you know, know what uh, this question will be, but okay. <laughs> after, after you probably do, you know it's coming. Um, but I find it, you know, one of the things I love doing in squadrons because that's what you do is after blowing up the enemy ship, you just fly through this debris, and of course you do. It's just bounces off your ship harmlessly because you've blown it up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in Red Wings Aces of the Sky. <laughs> you, 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 you fly into them, and even after they're sort of. Co- falling out of the sky they still cause you damage you know why uh, why did you do that i think there are two different situations sometimes they are falling uh, falling down and then you can crash mm. with them but if they will yes. if they will explode then it's yes. kind of random you can fly through the exploding uh warplane it's yes uh, we wanted to uh, have this uh crash damage because we felt that uh, it would look strange that if you fly on the enemy and just you fly through the enemy, which is actually still falling down, then it will look a little bit stupid that you can just uh, <laughs> fly through it. And it, during the rest of the game, if you fly through the enemy, then you have the damage by uh, crushing him. So that was the main reason. I think that was the main reason. But as I said, when the enemy explodes, and then you can fly through the fire, and there's this uh, cool situation. But it's pretty random, so that's a 
Uh, but that was a design decision, <laughs> I would say. No, it's, it's, it's just fascinating because you find yourself, when you're going head-to-head, which is not a good idea in this game, mm. by the way, uh, but if you find yourself head-to-head and you're trying to dodge all the bullets out and you're trying to take them down. And, oh, uh, uh, sorry, yes. sorry. Uh, I also want to add that you. Uh, it's also because of the skill set you have. Because mm. remember that if you use the barrel roll, you have the shield. So it it works yes. like a shield. So it's it's also also this MOBA game style approach that you have to remember about your skill set. Uh, yeah. So you can always dodge this. Uh, oh, and it, it also works as a melee attack. You pro- did you know that you can crush the enemy, and when you use the barrel roll, it it isn't only a shield for you, but you can also take down the enemy with a melee attack of the well that's something i've yet to achieve so that's cool you can upgrade Uh, it in the skill tree uh right to uh, work as a part of the combo and also to have a shorter cooldown and and also there was a vampirism yeah there was a vampirism okay but you can check it in the skill tree uh, so generally speaking, we wanted to uh, play, uh, players to remember about their skill set and to use. All oh, right, right, yes. That I do have a question later on about the skills, but hold on for now. But uh, I want to talk about the 3D space mm-hmm. that Red Wings Aces of the Sky has, because you're in the sky. One of the most satisfying things I find, and one of the things I try to exploit as much as I can, when in during you know, combat, during uh, uh, is um, positioning myself either above or below the enemy because they find it difficult to actually deal with that. Um, how do you? I mean, I find it's really important that your relative position to the other en- to the enemy craft is really important. What do you believe Red Wings Aces of the Sky does to encourage the player to exploit this? To be higher or under or above the enemy, uh, mm. could you please repeat? <laughs> because maybe it's... so, yeah, it's a bit convoluted. But what I'm trying to say is that there's an aspect of there's a tactic or a strategy mm-hmm. maybe of when taking out other planes. It's actually beneficial for you to actually go for go at them rather than the same level because they they, they can attack. You know, to actually you know go above them or below them. What do you think? What do you think the game does to encourage that? Uh, I think it's connected to the AI system. Our AI okay. is work uh, is fighting better when you, as a player, uh, are on the are on the same level of the height called altitude, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and if you are going higher, then the enemy has to change his direction, and it takes. It takes longer, so some people could even call it exploit. And uh, but if they discover it, then they can use it. But it, it's way easier for uh, for a player to attack from above or from under the enemy because his reaction will be longer. So yes, so it's how we uh, would encourage players to uh, to attack from different levels. On their enemies. After all, uh, we also thought about implementing one of the dogfight uh, G- German dogfight rules, which was 
which was about attacking the enemy from the side of the sun to blind him. But it was very difficult and it could give even more ex exploits. That's why we just decided to uh, give, let's say, better situation for the player who will attack from above or from under the enemy. So, uh, because we we read uh, we read a lot about the rules of real dogfight and we tried to somehow translate it to the language of uh, arcade uh, dogfight game. So yeah, yeah, which leads effortlessly into oh. the next question. Oh, sorry, so well done. I had some problems yeah. with my earphones, but. Okay, can you please repeat? <laughs> because my yeah, that's okay. Um, that leads effortlessly into the next question. So, um, which basically I want to talk about the flight model for Red Wings Aces of the Sky. The planes uh, can't stall, um, and uh, as far as I can see, I haven't, I haven't had the issue of stalling the engine or anything like that. Um, there is a boundary around which the the theatre of the battle you must be kept in because if you don't you get you know you explode or what have you and that that's great but um the the reason that model exists in uh, red wings ace of the sky is this to emphasize the combat experience over everything else you know uh uh i would say that the whole the building a proper flight system was our uh, first goal during the game design process. Before we right. created anything else, we were iterating the flight system over and over. Uh, our first, let's say, uh, our first platform was Nintendo Switch, so we are we were checking various ways of controls with the Switch, Nintendo Switch. Uh, and we've we've decided to build these arenas with uh, focused on the let's say smart uh, small part of the level where you will be able to use all of the skill set and all of the flight techniques. So we also decided to change the throttle mechanic to uh, have the stable speed. I, I wouldn't say that if you speed up, then you are staying with this speed flight uh, this flight speed. Uh, what I mean is that uh, the current uh, the current flight model is something we are really proud of because uh, I remember time when maybe maybe that's uh, maybe it doesn't sound good but when I turned on the battlefield one and turned on the flight mission I kind of missed all of the solution we were using in Red Wings and uh, uh, but. Uh, but yes, I would say that's my answer. But if you could add additional questions about this flight system, maybe I will understand it better and be able to. Okay, that's fair. It's just what I found is that you know many other flight sims or even combat games they they do start leaning heavily into the aerodynamics of the plane, its structural integrity, whether it actually can take the strain of what you're putting it under. Um, the flaps and all the different mechanics of the plane itself, you do away with that. It's important and it's embedded in the underneath, but the player doesn't have to worry about going too slow and stalling from the sky or something like that. You know, the, the fact that they can swing their plane around 
the, and every plane has its own. There's many different planes in the game, everyone. There's just loads and loads and loads of them. Um, but, you know, the, the maneuverability and how it re- interacts with the player, it's, it's, it's all embedded in. It's not up in your face. Mm-hmm. It's not really a prominent thing. You don't have a vast array of dials to look at. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Of, of course. That. That's, I would say that uh, there were two things. First of all, we wanted to be. Uh, very easy to learn and maybe hard to master. Just we mm-hmm. checked on all of the shows like PAX or Gamescom alone, and people were people were just taking the controller, and after a few minutes, they already know knew what to do. And it was our yes. main goal to have this big accessibility to the game. And uh, I would recommend everyone to uh, play play it with the any kind of the controller or gamepad. Because I, I treat it as our main uh, control, our main controller for this game, and I I believe that uh, it works best with the gamepad. Uh, and uh, also, what I want to say, oh my god, <laughs> I forgot. No, I think you're no, you nailed it right there when you said the accessibility. You pick up. I mean, I'm using my Xbox One controller hooked up to my PC. Of course, it is. Well, one of them. Uh, it's a wired one. It's fine. It lights up. I don't know why it does. <laughs> Point is, it's fine, and um, you know, it, it it's very intuitive. You know, right trigger to shoot. Well, of course it is. You know, and mm-hmm. the fact that you use the um, the right thumbstick for acceleration. And think, yeah, of course you do. No, of course the, you do. It's, it's... Do you remember my words about uh, describing Nintendo as experts of art of simplicity? I, yes, we yes. really wanted this game to have this. We are not as good as Nintendo, of course, but that, that's what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> but uh, but we really wanted to re- kind of refer to the to their approach for video games to make something that is pretty easy to handle, to not overcomplicate it, to to make people just enjoy their flight and their battle. And that's also why we added the versus mode. And there's this special versus mode, which is called hide and seek, where you, mm. uh, because you are playing four versus four, but there are only two players. And you don't know which warplane is the player because all of them look the same. So uh, there's a lot of fun at dueling with each other. And we found out it in our studio that during tests we enjoyed it a lot to uh, to battle each other unfortunately we are a pretty small uh, development studio so we were unable to prepare the online mode but what I, what I believe is that this game would also fit perfectly to the online versus mode but but because of this whole core of the gameplay we were able to prepare that's the that's the thing we are mostly proud of the whole, the core of the gameplay in this game yeah and you've really landed it no pun intended <laughs> um so uh well, last question then and i can't not ask this because whilst the flight the fight the flight model is very important and the angles and there's and you know being in the right place at the right time making sure you're not getting hit while you're taking others down that's great but there's also these skills, special skills, um, and uh, they really add a lot of tactics to the game. Um, 
Can you talk us through how you develop them, how you design this, these skills that are, are boasted in Red Wings, Aces of the Sky? You know, uh, I've read... Um, during the development, I was reading a lot about World War I uh, pilots and their battles in uh, their battles during the war. And uh, mm. then I discovered that uh, at the beginning of war, there were no guns attached to the warplanes, and pilots were simply trying to shoot down each other, other with a pistol. And it sounded it, it sounded so crazy for me that these people were actually crazy that they decided to fly with this 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 warplanes which were made of I don't know very weak materials. Uh, and then I've read that uh, some of these pilots even succeed, uh, succeed at taking down the opponent with the pistol. Then we, I told it to the team, and all of us just said that, guys, we have to have it in our game. And uh, that's how our ultimate skill, because once again, reference to MOBA, MOBA games, you have three, three basic skills and one ultimate skill. <laughs> And uh, uh, that's how we created our ultimate skill, uh, which uh, was there was a plan to make it look as as awesome as we can as a team, as a developer. And uh, I don't know if you have tried it. This is the loads and loads of times. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> it is the anchor around which I build my gameplay, Norman. <laughs> it's pretty useful um, for the gameplay because it resets your cooldown after upgrades it heals you and it has it is also used in a not only as a cool looking cutscene. Um, yeah, yeah. But also you can use it for the gameplay to reset for example a squadron skill uh, pretty long cooldown. So that's what I've done. That's what. That's why. That's why I do it. It's a tactical decision. Yes, I'm about to die. Oh no, wait, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so see, we are talking for the first time, and you were able to. Yeah, so I, I was. We were able to transfer you our thoughts about using this skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's wonderful yeah. i was just uh as a, i'm not going to spoil yeah because when you do it it's just a wonderful ridiculous cutscene, <laughs> like something from a hollywood film like no one did that <laughs> apparently they did apparently they did you know you know so. uh, i think that it never may maybe i'm wrong but i never saw a game which actually used uh, this uh historical fact that's no. and it, I think the Red Wings is first with using this dueling with pistols in the air because it sounds yeah. okay. It could happen in any science fiction movie or anything like that, but it actually happened in the hist in the during the World War One, and it sounds crazy. Okay, about the other skills, we have this barrel roll, yeah, yeah, yeah. and most yeah uh, barrel roll, and, yeah. and and mostly in video games, uh, barrel roll is for dodging. And okay, we also agreed that dodging is important. We want to have a shield against play, uh, enemy shooting at you. I, I, I mean that in arcade game because I also know some other arcade games related related to World War One, like Red Bar on arcade, for example. Uh, and we wanted to add something else. That uh, that's why this melee attack idea appeared. We thought that okay, we are moving the whole thing to the more arcade 
environment. <laughs> so why not making the barrel as a shield move and way to crush your enemy without losing any health points and actually with getting more points uh, to, to your score. Um, that's how the idea of two ways of using barrel appeared. And I'm also pretty proud of it. The third skill is maybe mm, it's a way to quickly change the di direction of your flight is this quick comeback. And I wouldn't say it, it is the most special skill. We wanted to have some utility skill to change the direction and there is nothing, there is no extra st story behind it. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, final, uh, the final, final basic skill is squadron, called squadron. It is about uh, summoning your wingmans who are uh, chasing the enemy you target. I like to compare it to the it's high noon skill from the Overwatch. <laughs> I don't know if you have played Overwatch, but there's a uh, there's this Mac, this cowboy, this cowboy who has ultimate skill with targeting enemies and shooting and uh, shooting at them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know it, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm just was... letting you talk, my friend. I'm not going to talk over you. Please, <laughs> okay, okay, how okay, I do okay. things. <laughs> I agree. It's awesome. It's uh, it it reminded me a little bit of Wing Commander as well. Uh, when you could actually call in and, and order your wings to mm -hmm. to shoot at other targets and that kind of stuff. But this is much simpler because this is a pure game, whereas Wing Commander. It's not. It goes all over the place. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, that game has political intrigue. Why? It's sort of blow up cats in space. Like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> anyway, um, no. It's it. It just adds something. It adds a layer of you know. It is. You can enhance these skills, by the way, everyone. You have a tech tree which which yeah, uh, we spoke about. It's quite one... extensive. Yeah, there's one important thing about the skill tree. That's why I said yeah. it kind of refers to the ma old masteries from uh, yes. League of Legends because uh, you can acquire up to 150 uh, stars, which are skill points from the mission. And if, if you would sum up all of the points needed to fill the whole skill tree, then you will need much more. It's made on a purpose purpose because we want people to build their own builds of skills yes. and uh, builds of upgrades. Okay. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it suits the style of play. If you want to be, if you want to focus on one aspect of the game that you're enjoying, you can actually enhance that to make it even more enjoyable. Yes, that's how yes, I that, see it. Yes, that's, that, that's, that's also how I see it. And you can easily reset the, the skill tree and uh, use the point in different ways. So there's no penalty for resetting the skill tree. It's just for you to play with it, to build your own unique playstyle with all of the tools we are giving the player. It's a really, really modern concept. Okay. It's, it's something that's relatively young. It hasn't really been... It's crept into things the last 10, 10 years or so, if that, the, the, the idea that, yes, here's the game, here's the concept, here's the frame, but you can tweak it and hack it but within the game itself, and it's lovely that you. That, that's what. That's what it, it, it credits the player with some intellect, and also says, "Well, this is an experience, but you can tweak it and modify it to make it even more entertaining." You, you know, uh, when that's... I was uh, playing Guild Wars One many years ago, uh, it was. I think it was my first 
time when I met such system when you're building your own build with all of the skills ava skills available for the player. And then I thought that it's something else than I met in, for example, Diablo 2 or games like that. Yeah. And I felt that it's a pretty smart way to give a another layer to the game player, the gameplay to let players uh, uh, think about their own builds. I know that it's a totally different scope because there were people of probably over 100 of developers and there were only six of us. Uh, the core team was made of six people. So it's... Uh, uh so it's a different scope but but we wanted to have such uh, reference to such mechanics in our game there mm -hmm. were tons of discussions about uh, about these mechanics yeah i mean it's not path of exile let's not go there yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 skill tree whoa Oh boy! Anyway, <laughs> you want to talk about skill trees? Oh boy! Um, so uh, Norman and David, it's one wonderful having you on the show. We know that Red Wings, Aces of the Sky, uh, which is developed and published by All In Games. May I ask, where's the name of this developer? Where's the name come from? All In Games. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's where, where did that name come from? Oh, that's. Uh, I think that's a longer story, and we should ask the public. Oh, David, maybe you can tell us. <laughs> but I, uh, I have to mention that you are in the compiling from the very beginning, so yes, <laughs> you are aware of the, you know, all the complexity of the how the name was uh, okay. developed. He's got he dodged the bullet. <laughs> It it sounds like for me it sounds like a poker move. You know, you you put yeah, all yeah. in, you're going you know, all in. That's that was one of our, of our first inspirations for the name to show that we are very dedicated to the right. uh, to the to the thing we are doing, and we and that we also really believe uh, in what we are doing. That's why we are all in. All in, nice, <laughs> cool. And I just, well, we we only recently, relatively recently, started asking guests about where they got their name from because it is a bit of a personal thing, but it's also a fun thing to ask because it's like, huh, yeah, okay, well, it came from this. Sometimes it's a three a.m. discussion, sometimes <laughs> it's it's something that's carefully thought of, and it's wonderful. But uh, yes, I just want to mention that this excla exclamation mark, uh, yes, in the name was my. Let's say final touch to the company. <laughs> that was my... <laughs> so I, I will make sure it's in the in the in the in the text in the write up. So yes, Red Wings Aces of the Sky is out now. Now the platforms I have written in front of me are Windows PC, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. 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 It is. Although, by the time you're listening to this, you can also add PS Five and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Xbox, yeah, because of the Series X, and yeah, because they, they they all work on those machines, right? I mean, you had it tested, I'm assuming, or yeah, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all very strange. I don't know. I don't get this next generation, Norman. I don't yeah, don't get it. And uh, I hope you're not. I'm not alone in this. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, I um... think this generation <laughs> is pretty tangled, also because of the. Award situation, and there were no proper E3 presentations. With, no, no, like it's just, yeah, like during every generation in the past. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So, anyway, um, from the tweet, yeah, 
so yes it's been wonderful having you on the show thank you so much for your time and sharing your thoughts and feelings about the creation of Red Wings Aces of the Sky and uh, we do wish you the very best of luck in it and your future endeavours and of course you're welcome to come back on the show to talk about the next game you're currently probably thinking about yeah. on, on post-it notes we'll be really happy to do it <laughs> excellent thank you but until then thank you okay. very much thanks bye bye you have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast part of the Cane and Rinse Collective support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts find us on Twitter Facebook Instagram Twitch YouTube and at our website CaneandRinse.com